following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. What does faith mean, right? What, what is it, right? Because, you know, there's all these different kinds of things. And we love to tell us, I always love to tell us, just telling the leadership team the other day, because here at Praise and Worship, we're, 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 we're like preparing um, for reasons you can kind of tell why. We're preparing to maybe have a bigger place to worship, right? We're, and there's a lot of different things going into that. And we were talking, and I said, at the end of the day, you know, faith's like a person who walks up the ramp to get on an airplane. Because you either believe it's going to fly or you don't. And at some point, you get to that, that one precipice, right, where you can, even if you're going through those nice little tunnels that they make now at the nicer airports, here in Springfield, it's not always that nice, but that's okay. Um, but, or Branson, whatever. So you're going, you're getting, and you see that little, that little place, and you either step onto the plane or you don't, right? I mean, that's faith, right? You believe that thing, that big hunk of iron, somehow is going to steady at 30,000 feet. And likewise, you know, we could keep telling stories. You could say, okay, um, let's say, let's go back to the time when you were like, at the altar, right? And like there was this, you know, these preacher persons saying, so do you take this person? Yes. And there's faith there, right? And for about half of us, that is not a good memory, right? And for the other half of us, we're like, um, I hope it's still a good memory. You know, we're just like, you know, Debbie's like, yeah, I don't know. And so, and so we're just kind of in that, we're just in that tension, right? And so we go through life. There's, and some people are not married yet. They're like, yeah, don't talk about that yet. I'm not ready for that. And so, and so through life we go, always doing things by faith. Have you, have you ever driven down one of those, those winding roads? We have a lot of them around here, Highway 265 right here. It's kind of a winding road. And what separates you from the oncoming coming traffic? Some big wall of security or a painted line? <laughs> Somebody went painting, right? The little, little traffic truck went through and painted it, and we use that to separate us from oncoming traffic? And yeah, sometimes that doesn't work, and it's tragedy. But we do it by faith. We, we get up every morning... Because we believe, just like Annie sang, the sun will come up tomorrow. Right? We believe that. And even if you're a, if, if you're a card-carrying atheist, you're like, all of this, you know, I'm only here because somebody drugged me here, and that guy up there is just yapping, fair enough, I get it. <laughs> Everybody lives by faith. Because even the, the most staunch atheist in the world puts his pants on in the morning thinking they'll fit, right? And I mean, that's just what's going to happen. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Take a look. We're going to put some scriptures up on screen. And as we do so, we're going to zoom in on some of the words we read. Don't worry, not all 40 verses or however many that was. felt like 40. Um, Faith, this is verse 1, right? This is the definition, is being sure. Anybody here sure? Are you you sure? But look at what we're sure of what we hope for. Um, I remember I was about 18 years old, somewhere in there, maybe 17, and I was at a Bible study, and the lady asked me, her name was Helen, um, she's with Jesus now, and she says to me, she says, Mark, if you die tonight, do you know if you'll go to heaven? And this is what I said, because I'd been raised in churchianity rather than Christianity. Churchianity is that thing where you just go to church and you go through the motions, and I didn't really know how to answer that question, so here's what I said. I said, well, boy, I sure hope so. Do you see the problem that I, with my answer? There was no sureness there at all, right? And so, because I hadn't been confronted with who Jesus is and, and what he's about to my face, nobody had really called me to task. Do you believe this stuff? Or is this just a game that we play that delays us from getting to go to kickoff? Because the Chiefs kick off at noon, ladies and gentlemen. And Pat Mahomes is awesome, right? I mean, that's my opinion. And so, see, what, what is faith? 
being sure of what we hope for. See, now if you ask me this, hey, Mark, if you die tonight, if you're driving back to your house and that white paint, that little painted line doesn't work and somebody crosses over and smashes right into you, I say, boy, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be with Jesus. You know why? Not because of anything I've done, but because of everything he's done that we just read about and are going to keep talking about. And that, that is, has nothing to do with my power. That has to do with all of his power. And I hope you'll hear me when I say it is true of you. And you're like, well, no, Mark, everybody has to make a choice. L- listen, you hear the words, and the choice is being made. Do you believe it? Right? This is, what, this is what we're talking about. Look at the second part. He says, so faith is being sure of what we hope for. And then look at this next word, certain of what we do not see. Some years ago, right after our family moved to Branson, we had the opportunity to go over to College of the Ozarks. They were having a really cool thing where they were having scientists from different institutions come in and talk about science and faith as it related to the beginning of the world, the creation event, or the evolution event, depending on which faith you hold to. Okay? And, and what was really interesting, I've shared this story with some of you guys before, but what was il- really interesting is I got, w- during the time of getting ready for lunch, you know, you're all kind of getting there, and, and I was with Phil, and we were going to have a table and try to meet some friends or do some different things, have talk. Well, anyway, we got set at a table with a lot of the scientists who were there. And they do not share our faith. And so the conversation that ensued was remarkable, right? Because immediately they started challenging. I mean, they challenged us. I was just sitting there, Mark, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut. Love my neighbor, love my neighbor, love my neighbor. And that's what I'm doing. And I mean, boy, they just like, you know, they tore into us. They were like, why do you believe that stuff? Is it, I mean, are you tired of this kind of medieval thinking? And I'm thinking, well, no, I'm more of a Reformation thinker, but that's another story. And see, and this whole idea of, of, of this, this idea that there is a God, right? And so I said, okay, all right, fine. You want to push? Let's push. But I'm trying to push in love. So I said, here, I just want to ask you a question. So you, you kind of believe this whole pond de goo stuff. That's where everything came from. And they were like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. I'm like, yeah. But at the end of the day, there were some amino acids that bumped into some other amino acids and shazam. Literally. And they were like, well, yeah. And I'm like, have you ever observed that process? Have you ever seen it happen? Ever? No. Do you see that the two of us both had faith? We both had faith. He was certain of what he did not see. Right? And that day was not, you know, neither one of us were going to persuade one another to change our opinions. And he had very solid reasons for believing what he believed. And I argue that I have very solid reasons for believing what I believe. And now my task, guys, was to love him, right? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Love him. Tell him the story. And so we told lots of stories. And I said, well, you know, what I love about this conversation that we're having with, with, you know, people of faith and people of science, which I'm going to argue are both people of faith, and science is just a tool, a very wonderful and blessed tool. I'm using an iPad right now. I love science, right? And so as a result... What we do is we are humans, right? It's not about ideas. It's not, I mean, it is. We have ideas. But at the end of the day, it's about people, right? Because churchianity, we said a few weeks ago, is about principles. You know, do the right thing. And then you have Grandma Schmidt's gasp if they don't. You know, if people don't do the right thing. You know, that's what happens, right? That's principles. But what about the people who are involved? Human beings, right? Because there's always a story for why people do what they do. There's always a story. That's why we're learning the story. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's what faith is. 
So take a look at verse 3. Now you've got to watch out, guys, because anytime you see this MLV there, you've got a red alert, because that's Mark's literal version. Okay, here we go. This is called, I'm, I'm reading the NIV, and I'm reading the ESV, and the KJV, and every other V, and I'm like, I need MLV. This, this, we need to see what it says in the Greek, right? And, and, and all I'm doing here is I'm just trying to bring out some of the words in our language, the way we talk here today. Faith convinces us. Isn't that interesting? That's what it literally says. Faith convinces us. It's a verb convinces us that God created the world by his spoken word. The Greek word there is rhema. So it's not just word, it's his command. It's his spoken word. And see, if you just had written word, it'd be like logos or some other word. This is rhema. It's when he spoke. Let there be light. Yeah, that's how he started the whole deal. And he still speaks to you and me. Because this is foundational to, your, to my theology, to our belief system, our whole faith. There it is, right? And that is, we actually believe that when I say or anybody else tells you, Jesus loves you, that that has power. That's God's word. And it hits your eardrums, and something happens, right? Something happens. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, and he starts doing this work so that you might actually believe that the God Almighty who created the universe by speaking would arrange the universe in all of its complexities and beauty and difficulty so that you would hear those words. So that you would hear those words and believe them. That's what we mean when we talk about this. Because look what he says. What can be seen was created by something that could not be seen. Because God is a God of love. right? He is love. He, like, if you want to look up the definition of love, you just turn the chapter and you're looking up in your dictionary for love and you just see a picture. right? It's just like, it's just like a cross. And there was a dude on it, but he's not on it anymore because he rose from the dead. That's love. Love is God come down for you and for me to save us. And, to, and he, so when we just say Jesus loves you, that's great. But he actually gave everything for you and for me. And so we can't see that. We listen to somebody tell us. We listen to somebody tell us. And you know what? Creation is happening all the time. Every time somebody tells you and tells me that Jesus died for you and he died for me, he loves you, he loves me, that creation event is happening because what we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5 is this idea that we are a new creation and the old has gone, right? This is God's word working in you and in me. Look at verse 13. This is the first half of that verse. And he says, all these people, these long list of people, we, and everybody's like a long list of people we were reading about. He says, they were all living by faith when they died and they didn't receive the things that, that were promised to them. Now there's a great church growth tactic. Hey, we're going to talk about things you may never see. You may never even get this. Come on back next week. We'll talk about it some more. I mean, that's exactly what the Christian walk is because how many of you have a perfect life that just everything goes great? Notice my hand has to go down. Our lives are filled with suffering and difficulty and sadness and brokenness and the reality of this evil world which interacts with us and our sin that's in us keeps telling us, hey, buddy, just try one more. You know, just what's, what's going on? That's the reality. And see, living by faith is when we say, I know that that's the reality. But I'm trusting that this reality is not based on my understanding, not on my terms, but on God's terms. That's what living by faith means. This is about God's terms. Now imagine every aspect of your life. Let's look at the second half of this verse. Because look at what it says. It says, and they continued to confess. And this is MLV again, because it says in the NIV they admitted. And that's one way you can translate. This is not what is going on. Confess. Confession, there's two ways you can define confession. There's like, when what we did earlier, we were like, Lord, dude, I blew it. That's confession. 
But here's another kind of confession. When I say, Jesus is Lord. Do you hear what I just said? Jesus is Lord. And when I confess that, what I'm actually doing is I'm saying, I believe that with my whole body. And what it does is it influences what happens when, I'm, when we're arguing at home and when we're arguing in the public and when we're driving the car and somebody cuts me off and I want to give them a happy salute and then I'm like, mm. you know, these kinds of things. All of this, this is confession. Confession is the walking of faith, the speaking of faith, the walking of faith, the living of faith. And look what he says. They continued to confess. What were they confessing? That they were foreigners and sojourners upon the earth. Foreigner, I think you get what that means. We weren't born here. I mean, yeah, maybe we were born here. But we weren't born here. Not born again here. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that when God gave us faith, Jesus seated us with him in the heavenly realms. This is what's going on in Ephesians 2. In Philippians chapter 3, it says that our citizenship is in heaven, right? And there's a whole lot of other dig deepers. Remember, I've got to sell my dig deepers. You've got you to read the dig deepers because there's so many verses that speak to this about how we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Remember what Jesus said? He goes before Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate's like, dude, are you a king or not? I mean, be out with it. And Jesus says, yeah, it's for this reason I was born. He goes, so you are a king then. And, just, and then Jesus is like, but my kingdom's not of this world. And what did he always say to everyone he was talking to? Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is near, right? This is what he's trying to talk about. Guys, you guys are sitting in it. And I don't mean just because we're at church. I always love to tell the story. I was sitting around in my fire pit in my backyard with, a, with some friends, and the guy was like asking me, where's your church? And I'm like, you're sitting in it. And he's like, dude, that's not what I'm asking. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's what you need to hear. Because wherever two or three are gathered, he is there with them, right? This is how it works. We continue to confess that we are foreigners. We are, we are not from around here, are we? And also that we are sojourners, which means we are temporary residents. Now, some of you guys here, because uh, I know this because you tell me this, right? Some of you guys here love to watch cable news television. I don't know if you've ever done this before. And I understand why, because, you know, you've got to know what's going on in the world, and I get that. But I want you to understand, because the message that they give to us, the voice that they tell us, is a voice of fear. That's what they're trying to teach us. Be scared, because we want you to watch through the next commercial break. We only laugh because it's true. Here's what I want you to think about, okay? Here's what I want you to think about. If we continue to confess that we are foreigners and sojourners. It's just like we were studying about in 1 Peter earlier. It doesn't mean we leave the world. It doesn't mean we, we just capitulate to the world. It means we serve Jesus in the world. And you know what else it means? It means that this is temporary. It means that this is permanent. That's what it means. That's not going to be here eternally. And I know some... I mean... Can you say that in Branson legally? I don't know if I can. Anyway, I might get rolled out of town on a wheelbarrow, but just know, so you know, if I die tonight, I'm going to be with Jesus. So there you go. So see, I believe that. And so what happens is, is that when we, when we confess that this is true, when we believe God's word, what it does is, yeah, we're going to be involved in the political process. But what happens is we're going to be involved with love also, and hopefully before, during, and after. And not into this, well, those guys said this, and they're mad about that, and that candidate's doing this. And, that. and you know, I know we're all feeling it because they've been hitting us with those commercials for weeks now. And I'm, we're all saying, praise God, Tuesday's election day, right? I get that. Right? That's, that. Yeah, that's right. But we're not from around here. 
Yeah, we're going to stick around, hopefully for a long time, and keep telling the story. Tell someone who tells someone who tells someone who tells someone that Jesus died for you and for me, and he rose again, conquering death forever. Take a look at 11, Hebrews 11, 15, and 16. Because look at this. Because this, this is what it, we're longing for. Because see, if we live by faith, almost by definition, that means we live in the not yet. We're living in a not yet. That's what they were living in. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, talking about where they lived, where they, where, they, what where they actually did their daily stuff, they would have had opportunity to return. Just go back. Because that's the promised land, right? But isn't it interesting that the book of Hebrews, God's Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, interprets the Old Testament, which it has been doing for us every week these past weeks, to understand that the promised land wasn't about the promised land. Isn't that interesting? As, like some of us grew up in faith traditions like, whoa, wait, what did you say? I didn't say it. The Bible said it. They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, something better than the promised land, a heavenly one. So I can look over here and I can praise God for the gifts that he has given to us in our country. And I do so every day. How awesome is it that we can come to a winery, right, and hang out this morning and talk about God's word and have no danger of being arrested or persecuted in any way. I met my friend Nick. He used to be involved with a group that worshipped Jesus in Russia. Now he worships in Rogersville. It's a big difference, Russia, Russia and Rogersville. <laughs> but he said, Mark, you, you just don't understand. We would we'd meet in my dad's house. His dad was the pastor, and the, the local police knew it, and they would come and throw his dad in jail on a regular basis until finally the local mayor said, you've got to leave because your next offense, you're going to Siberia or somewhere equivalent. I mean, that's how it worked. We don't, ever, we don't ever experience that. So we praise God for the, for the earthly country we're in. We, we work within this country to better it and to make it a good place where we can continue to tell people who tell people who tell people. And we fight injustice and we participate in the restoration of all things because of Jesus. But the ultimate, long term, is what God is yet to do. The not yet. That's what our faith ultimately works in. This is, this is called living on God's terms, not ours. Take a look at Hebrews 11.39. Because this just kind of cinches it. He says, yet, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, I missed the button, sorry. Those, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I mean, that's breathtaking. And yet you and I can sit here and go, yeah, but Mark, I can, I can count my blessings, and I'm seeing all kinds of things that God gives me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We've seen throughout the book of Hebrews that that's the case. What he's trying to remind us of is that sometimes it doesn't go how we think it should go. And that's why we need to continue to live on God's terms. On God's terms. So that we don't measure success with our definition of success. We measure success with His. And sometimes that means He is calling us to suffer. To be in a, in a, in a period of time in our life where nothing makes sense. But through that period of time, He doesn't promise to make it all great and good. Instead, He promises to be with us in the midst of it. To carry us when we can't put one foot in front of the other. And to save us no matter what. Forever. Take a look at Hebrews 11, verse 40. Because here's God's terms. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us. He's referring to all the people in this list. All Abraham, David, Samuel, all those guys. Only together with us would they maybe be perfect. He's saying it's not just that one part of the story or this other part of the story or just about you and me. It's about all of us. See, because ultimate, the ultimate powerful thing, and this is interesting in a, in a season of politics to think about, is God's vision 
is that there would be no them. That's God's term. That's what he's reaching for through you and through me. There would be no them. There would just be us. Revelation chapter 21. You know, we see the heavenly city coming down out of heaven dressed as a bride for her husband who is Jesus. And that that heavenly city, that's all y'all. I practice, Harlan. Harlan's not here, but I practiced it. He's been teaching me how to say all y'all. Anyway, so, so that's, I'm from Nebraska, so be nice to me. So anyway, so you, 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 you got this, you've got this heavenly city coming out dressed as a bride for her husband. And we're the bride of Christ. And, and, it, and then God says it. I mean, he reveals what his goal is the whole time. He's like, now the dwelling place of humans is with God. And in marriage, no less. In this unity that we can't even begin to imagine on this side of heaven. And yet that is what the new heavens and the new earth will be all about. Where there is no more crying, no more tears, none of those things going on. There's only us. And that's life on God's terms. That's faith. And that's what we're called to trust in, to believe in His promise. That you are saved, not by anything you've done, but by everything Jesus has done. And now called to participate with Him, working toward this. I think we should pray about that. How about you guys? Let's pray about that. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. And it seems impossible and yet we learn that that's your specialty. You're the one who raises the dead and we put our faith in you. I pray boldly right now that you would teach each one of us to live our lives not on our terms but on your terms. That's what faith is all about to trust you that we can't, even though we can't see on the other side of the hill or around the corner or what's coming, that we trust you. That whatever your plan is, your will would be done. That whatever you're doing, that we would be able to participate with you because of your grace, your mercy, and your peace. I ask that you would give us the ability to believe just that. In the mighty name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.